Today we are uh, celebrating week two of the Advent season, and we have lit the candle of peace. Uh, The artwork that you see, I was struck as I was listening to that song, Come Golden Light, how well it fits with this art selection that I chose for today um, that represents uh, one image of many, many images that are out there of the moment of Annunciation, as it is often referred to. Um, So, candle of peace. We all want peace in our lives. Uh, Sometimes peace feels elusive, hard to find, uh, especially when we are experiencing fear in one way or another, which is often the case uh, for us. Uh, Fear is lurking in the shadows. Um, And when fear is weighing heavily on us, It can be hard for us to have a sense of peace, of being at rest within our own bodies. And so I'm thankful for a story that comes to us every year during the season of Advent uh, with, with words that are echoed across the pages of Scripture in many places and the words that we hear again today, do not be afraid. But in preparing to hear those words and the story wrapped around them, I want to take just a moment to set the scene, um, make sure we, we remember where we are in this part of God's story. Our main character for this morning is a young teenage girl whose name is Mary. Mary lives in one of those out-of-the-way kind of small towns, the kind that has one four-way stop and intersection right in the middle of town. The kind of place where if you get in trouble on Friday night, everybody in town knows about it by Saturday morning. Uh, The kind of place where if somebody new comes to town who doesn't belong and who hasn't been there for generations, everybody will know about it within the next hour. One of those kinds of places. Uh, And Mary is growing up as a member of her household and as best as we know, a responsible member of that household. I imagine Mary as perhaps the eldest of her siblings. And so what has happened at this point in the story is we know that she is betrothed, committed, if you will, to be married to a man in that village. Now, this is wonderfully exciting and relieving news to her father, um, who now thinks about the reality of having one less person to take care of, one less mouth to feed in the family. On the other hand, her mother is, has a little bit of a different mindset because with her eldest uh, child going out of the house, she's wondering who will now pick up the help around the house, especially with Mary's younger siblings. But none of them are prepared for what is about to happen in the story that we find in the Gospel of Luke today. So follow along as I read for us from the first chapter beginning with the 26th verse. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, 
for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God, and God's people say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit, and breathe life into the words that I speak, that they might carry a word from you into our hearts and lives this morning. Amen. Have you ever wondered, what if the angel hadn't shown up? What if Mary had gotten no visit from the angel Gabriel? And and what if Joseph hadn't gotten a visit either to clue him in on what was about to happen? What if instead Mary's womb just suddenly began to grow and Mary's journey from conception to delivery had been all alone? Now, of course, this isn't the story that we get in the Gospel of Luke, but it's worth spending just a moment imagining it as a way of perhaps nurturing empathy within ourselves for people who do experience circumstances that can be disorienting, unsettling, even isolating Circumstances where they find themselves wondering what will happen next and if they can really make it through. In our story, the angel does show up, of course. Gabriel makes a grand appearance and at least a significant part of his role seems to be to coach this young girl up. Mary, you can do this. Now, now we get this idea as we listen to what Gabriel says to this young teenage girl. He starts with words of affirmation. Greetings, favored one. I wonder if Mary had ever heard that, use word, you, you heard that word used in reference to her before. Mary, you are favored. You are honored. You are blessed. And then Gabriel follows it up with words of comfort. Mary... The Lord is with you. Now, in hearing these opening remarks from Gabriel, Mary is confused and perplexed, or in other translations, it translates as agitated or even disturbed. And so Gabriel continues with the words that we hear, not only here, but in so many other places in Scripture. Mary, 
Do not be afraid. Words that Gabriel uses here precisely because he knows that what he is about to tell her will in fact make her afraid, terrified in fact. I mean, who wouldn't be at the news that she gets on this occasion? Gabriel reassures her in that moment because he knows what her reaction may be. She, no doubt, will experience fear in this moment, and fear can be a terrible thing. Interestingly, one of the quotes that I appreciated from one of the theologians I read this week in preparation for this morning says this, fear can be either destructive or generative. Fear can cause us to shrivel. It can cause us to do things that are harmful to ourselves or to others around us, but it doesn't have to. Fear can keep us from doing what it is that we need to do, from saying what it is that we ought to say, from speaking up for ourselves or for someone else. Fear can keep us from taking the next step or the new step. Fear can keep us from being honest with ourselves or others around us. It can keep us from reaching out to seek to repair a broken relationship. Fear can keep us from stepping out in faith to a new direction or a new place or a new vocation or a new promise that God seems to be revealing to us. Fear can keep us from all of this, but it doesn't have to. Mary, in this story today and in the story of God's purposes, has a major role to play. It is way too important for her to fulfill the role that has been assigned to her for her to become paralyzed by fear and shrivel away. And so Gabriel comes. Gabriel comes and offers a message of assurance and affirmation. Mary, you can do this. The Lord is with you. We all need a message like that from time to time, don't we? In our lives, when something seems to to paralyze us from action because we are afraid, we are scared, we don't know what will happen next, the future seems so uncertain and perhaps risky and dangerous. One of those times in my life was in the early fall of 1997. Catherine and I had just moved to the Sarasota-Bradenton area that summer, and our son Sid was born in August. And some of you know parts of this story. Uh, He was born with a birth condition that meant that he spent the first 10 weeks of his life in neonatal intensive care, first two years with a feeding tube because he didn't eat by mouth. And we had just been sent to that area as new church pastors sent and assigned to start supposedly a brand new church in a community where we didn't know anybody or anything or have any friends. And here we were, and on the day that Sid was born, I remember vividly walking from the delivery room where the doctor took Sid and said, walk with me. And we walked up the stairs and to the NICU. And on the way, he says to me, now I think he's going to make it, but my world 
in that moment. No sense of what the future might hold. It just so happened that that summer, one of my favorite musical artists, Billy Crockett, had come out with a new CD. And for weeks, as I drove back and forth to the hospital to see Sid and to spend time with him and with Catherine and and to pick up Shelby, our daughter who was four, who we wanted to make sure got enough attention for her own sake at a time when we were consumed by other things, picking Shelby up and taking her to the hospital as well. I listened to the songs on that CD and one of them in particular was a life raft for me. God is for us, who can be against us? God is for us, we are not alone. Repeat. Over and over and over again. Billy, sing it to me one more time. God is for me. God is not against me. I am not alone. God is with me even now in the midst of a space and a time where I have no idea what is coming next. Those words, that music, was, felt like the messenger that God had sent to me in that time when I desperately needed it. Now, it didn't come with a guarantee of how everything was going to turn out. It rarely does, but it was that sense of assurance that I needed that God was, in fact, with me, even if at times I struggled to feel it or to know it. Friends, God meets us in our fear. This is the good news of the morning that is meant not only for Mary But for all of us, God meets us in our fear. And God has a meaningful role for all of us to play as a part of God's story. We often elevate Mary, and certainly the Catholic Church elevates Mary and her role, as we should. I mean, it is remarkable the role that she took on in the grand scheme of God's story. And yet it is... It is a magnified version of a story that all of us are meant to be a part of in some way. There's a Greek word that started being used in the third century to describe this this role that Mary plays. The word is theotokos, God-bearer. And in her book, Elaine Robinson Robinson talks about this idea of God-bearing. And how, in fact, each of us, as persons of faith, as followers of Christ, are intended to be God-bearers, to be a people of grace-filled speech and actions that offer mercy and justice and compassion and kindness and love in a world that so desperately needs it. We are all meant to bear God's image in the way in which we live and move in the world. That is both a daunting and beautiful idea, isn't it? 
that we would be as Mary was and as her son Jesus in most in its fullest form was we too are meant to be God bearers it is daunting because it certainly can be scary and sometimes what we feel like God may be asking us definitely is scary but here's the good news God meets us in our fear. And the ask, if it really is coming from God, always comes with the assurance. I will be with you. I will be for you. You will not be alone. You see, courage and fear are often commingled. Courage is not a trait or a characteristic that necessarily represents the absence of fear, but it is the ability to live through that fear in such a way that we nevertheless act and move and do and speak and show up as God-bearers in the world. One of the examples of this that Robinson uses in her book is Rosa Parks. Just this past Thursday, December the 1st, was the 67th anniversary of the day when Rosa decided that she was going to keep her seat on the bus when somebody came and told her that she needed to move because of the color of her skin. One of the remarkable things about Rosa Parks that we learned from her biographical material is that to a large extent, Rose's understanding of herself as a child of God and Rose's courage as a person of faith came from her being nurtured in the church, a place where she was affirmed, where I'm sure she did hear that she was favored and blessed and loved and that she mattered. And therefore, even in the face of fear, which I'm sure she had to feel on that day in 1955, she nevertheless found the courage to act and to be a model for others to act at a poignant moment in our history in America. I was thinking this week, knowing that we were going to celebrate circles today and the one-year anniversary, I was thinking about the courage and fear that is commingled in those who said yes to being a part of circles in this first year. Both those who stepped into the space of being Circle's leaders, leaders of their families who decided to take a chance on this ministry and this opportunity, and allies, some of you included, who said yes to coming alongside those leaders to be a part of their journey. I am sure that some of the leaders who said yes to this opportunity had to be wondering, can I trust this program? Can I trust that the people who are offering this really care about me and really are going to stay with me on this journey? Can I trust that this is not just another example of something that is going to leave me disappointed and disenfranchised? And I imagine that some of those who stepped in to be allies and helpers in other ways had to be wondering, God, are you, are you really asking me to be a part of this? Do I really have anything worthwhile to 
to say to someone who is encountering life in a way that I've never encountered it before? Can I, can I really step into this space and be of some help? Can I be an ally? Do I have what it takes to stick with it? Allies and leaders didn't say yes because they had no fear, but because even in the face of fear, they decided they would risk it. These are examples, my friends, of what it looks like to take the journey that we see Mary taking in the Scripture today from a hard question to a firm resolution. She asked the question, which I know all of us have asked at some point in our lives about something that was causing us to struggle. How can it be? How can it be, she wonders, that this is happening to me in this particular moment in my life? How can it be, we say from time to time, that this is happening? And that question, that question can keep us stuck for a long time. It can be debilitating. But the good news is that God doesn't want us to stay stuck. God wants us to be able to move to a healthy response. And at the end of the story today, we hear those words of resolution, declaration, if you will, from Mary. Here I am, Lord. Let it be. And that let it be is not just a passive acknowledgement or acceptance of whatever. It is Mary stepping fully into the moment of the role that God has given her. She makes that journey from how can it be to let it be. And in the space in between are the words that Gabriel uses to remind her that maybe it's a good idea for us to all hold on to today as well. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. And so today as we remember Mary's story, may we also give thanks that God comes to be a part of our stories as well. To meet us in our fear so that we might step into whatever that next thing is to which God is calling us. Will you pray with me? And as you pray this morning, or perhaps later today or this week, I invite you to pay attention. To pay attention to that silent space deep within you where the Spirit might do some of its best work. Pay attention, as Franny encouraged us earlier today, to your very breath, the breath that God gave you. Pay attention even to the fear. And then listen. Listen for the good news of how indeed God will meet you there.
God is for us, who can be against us? God is for us, we are not alone. God is for us, we are for each other. Alleluia, God is for us.